For all of us at Encounter God's Truth, I'm Wayne Shepherd, wishing you a blessed Independence Day weekend. The following is a special encore presentation of Dr. John Whitcomb's experience at the Indy Honor Flight in 2015. As we celebrate the birth of our country, we want to praise the Lord today expressly for our veterans like Dr. Whitcomb. We offer this program with gratitude to Almighty God and in honor of such courageous men and women. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to a special patriotic edition of Encounter God's Truth. I'm Wayne Shepherd, your host, and you'll want to stay with us for this holiday broadcast as we take a look back at World War II. Well, you know Dr. John Whitcomb is a Bible teacher, author, and educator, but did you know that he served in a field artillery battalion in the Army in Europe during World War II, and that his family has a rich history of military service? Well, stay tuned because you're going to learn more details, and we'll see what spiritual lessons we can glean from them as well. Today's broadcast varies from our normal format as we're going to listen to a portion of an interview that Brandon House recently conducted with Dr. Whitcomb on his program, Worldview Weekend Radio, where Dr. Whitcomb appears regularly as a guest. They held this conversation in April of 2015 after Dr. Whitcomb went to tour Washington, D.C. on the Indy Honor Flight. We pick up with Dr. Whitcomb talking about this exciting and memorable day. Praise the Lord. It was called the Indy Indianapolis Honor Flight. We had 100 veterans of the Second World War and the Korean War in that uh, two airplanes, and each of us had a helper. My son, Don Whitcomb, was with me to take care of me and push me around in a wheelchair, and we just were uh, very, very impressed with the way this flight was managed. It, uh, it was uh, done so carefully uh, and so wisely. I was just so thankful for the opportunity even to share gospel tracts with, uh, with many people. And we uh, arrived uh, that early. It was, <laughs> we left early that morning, Saturday. That was at 5 a.m. and got back at midnight. <laughs> we were so tired. But we were able to see wonderful things about the history of our nation. I'll never forget the Arlington Cemetery, especially. I could not believe what I saw there. 400,000 crosses. They, they seem to go on for miles. The biggest cemetery in the world. And my, my grandfather, Colonel uh, Cle- Cole, Clement Colfax Whitcomb, is buried there. He was a very great leader as an Army surgeon in the First World War and even back in the Spanish-American War. And, of course, uh, uh, we just say, well, thank you, Lord, for those who served and those who protected us and uh, so that we can carry on just a little bit longer, we trust, uh, to serve the Lord and reach out around the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. For sure. Well, let's get some details because this sounds fascinating. First of all, did you is that, was that your first time to ever be at Arlington National Cemetery? No, uh, I have been there a number of years ago and actually saw my grandfather's gravestone there, but uh, this time we could not do that, of course. But we did see the changing of the guard. Oh, mm-hmm. how spectacular, those soldiers marching back, back and forth, and the changing of the guard. And we, uh, that goes on night and day, mm-hmm. night and day. And I, and I just say, well, well Lord, uh, the tomb of the unknown soldier, what a, what a reminder of the fact that... Uh, that some people who've uh, paid with their lives for the defense of our country uh, will someday, of course, be revealed for who they are, what they did, what happened, why, and how. And I, I just uh, thank you, thank the Lord for that. And also, we saw the Iwo Jima monument. We circled around that a couple times. You remember the soldiers holding up that flag? And uh, we went to the uh, 
World War Two World War Two uh, monument, where all the uh, states and territories of America that were involved in the war were, were there, and they lined us all up, all 100 of us, with a huge picture that they, they had already prepared for us, three feet wide, four feet high, a picture of what we looked like, each of us, in the, in the Second World War. Mm. <laughs> and we had that picture in front of us, and they lined us up. For, and I say, well, uh, thank you, Lord, for, <laughs> for the planning and the preparing that these men have done uh, for, to honor our uh, uh, veterans. And we, we just uh, came back late that night to Indianapolis, and went down a long corridor in a huge high school near the Indianapolis airport. And uh, a Scottish bagpipe band welcomed us, and hundreds of people on either side waving flags. And I would reach out with a gospel tractor and say, thank you, or God bless you. And we finally came into a huge auditorium. And there were hundreds of people. And as each of us got wheeled in on our wheelchairs with our picture in front of us, a big picture of what we looked like 70 years ago, <laughs> They screamed and shouted, and there was my family waiting to see, see me and welcome me home. And I, I'll, I'll not soon forget that one. <laughs> it was just a, a very well-planned, organized flight. And uh, we just uh, thank the Lord for a nation that still, that still honors those who are willing to pay the ultimate price. And so not only was my grandfather a great military leader, for which he received the uh, Croix de Guerre, from the French government as the head of the one who organized all medical supplies of Europe. But my father was in both world wars, and he was a chief of staff under General Patton in the Third Army in the Second World War. And uh, my, one of my grandsons, uh, Weston Whitcomb, uh, is a, uh, has been to Afghanistan twice. He's a captain, an uh, infantry captain. So we say, well, well thank you, Lord, for uh, opportunities to, to serve in this way, and um, uh, even uh, to be a testimony for, for the Savior, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and to uh, seek to honor him in this way. You put in basically a 20-plus-hour day flying to DC, from Indianapolis or Indiana to D.C. and back, seeing all those sights. That's quite a day. Amen. Well, I, I must confess, I slept in the airplane. <laughs> well, well, I would have been sleeping, too, because I would have been so heavily medicated. <laughs> I would have been sleeping because I don't like to fly. Huh. Um, that Tomb of the Unknown Soldier is my favorite place to go to in D.C., particularly to watch the changing of the guard and yeah. and the um, the stillness, the quietness. And I'll tell you what, if I've been there when young people, some young people or maybe even adults, don't realize the proper decorum and they're talking too loud and that 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 uh, soldier will turn and toward the crowd and he will click his heels and he will scold them and and and, and remind them of where they're at yes. and uh, and then he will click his heels and turn and continue his walking and if you do a study listening friends it's uh, a lot of this stuff is done in in 21 21 paces 21 seconds you know turning and all in honor of like the 21 salute so a lot is done in 21 and uh, it is a fascinating place to go as far as uh, if you want to go somewhere where there's um, a reverence and a value for life uh, in our culture today that seems to devalue life so much. There certainly is a value and honoring of life there, and the preciousness of life there. If you haven't done it, I encourage you to go there. Been there many, many times when I lived in the Northern Virginia area, and then even when I would go back, I would try to make a, a certain stop there. If, if if I couldn't go anywhere, I would like to at least go there. So that was always on my list, even if I grabbed a cab and uh, went into the area and then was there for a few minutes and left. 
so I encourage all of you to do that. Now, what kind of plane were you flying on, Dr. Whitcomb? You know what? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't remember exactly uh, what kind of a plane it was, but it, it, it was a very large plane to hold uh, 100 of us, and uh, there were two planes, uh, 50 of the veterans in one plane, 50 in another, uh, each one, as I mentioned, with a helper. So that meant 200 of us in uh, those two planes. Mm. Okay, so, so you weren't on like a, I didn't know if they were going to, I didn't know if they carried you on a sp- special military plane or a commercial airline. Uh, just a, uh, uh, no, it wasn't a special military plane as far as I know. Okay. I, uh, but anyway, the amazing thing to me is that uh, God tells us how important it is to be a good soldier. You remember what he said to Timothy in his last letter, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And I say, Lord, I want to be a soldier for you. I want to, I want to be active for you. Uh, I want to please you who enlisted me in your army, your spiritual army. And I thank God for this analogy and this comparison in God's Word. Well, when we come back from the break, Dr. Whitcomb, I'd like to have you share with us a little bit about uh, your service in World War II and the Battle of the Bulge. We have people that often will email me saying, do you think Dr. Whitcomb would share a little bit about what he saw, what he experienced? And, of course, you're always careful not to want to go prying into areas that soldiers prefer to leave uh, you know, unspoken. And so I've never really approached that with you too much. You are listening to a special patriotic holiday presentation of Encounter God's Truth. We offer this week's program with appreciation to Brennan House at Worldview Weekend for allowing us to share this audio. You can find out more about his program at worldviewweekend.com. Let's hear more of Brennan's interview with Dr. Whitcomb now as they discuss his experiences remembering World War II. Tell us about the Battle of the Bulge and how God used that in your life. Because you told me before we went on the air that Yes, I'll talk about that and how God used that in my life. So please, tell us what you feel comfortable telling us about what you experienced and saw there at the Battle of the Bulge. Yes, in December 1944, in Belgium, the German army counterattacked with 300,000 soldiers. And it, it, it was an f- absolutely suicidal attack because von Rundstedt, the, the general of the German army, told Adolf Hitler... Unmerglich, impossible. We can't go up mountains in the snow in the winter on narrow roads with uh, field artillery firing at us. We can't, we, it won't work. Hitler said go. He ruined the German army. And my father, who was a military historian and actually taught at West Point, uh, agreed that the German army was an excellent army, but it was destroyed by, by a demonic leader, as we all know. But anyway, when that battle took place, uh, we were the, we were taken by total surprise, and we were pushed back into the mountains of Belgium from from Germany, where we had already arrived in the in the push toward the, as you know toward Berlin. We were pushed back in those mountains, and nineteen thousand of our men died, many thousands, many thousands taken prisoner, wounded, and I I, I just say Lord, thank you for your mercy in sparing me through that. Because as we were pushed back in those mountains, I was in a field artillery battalion, the 909th Field Artillery Battalion, and uh, in the 84th Infantry Division of the 9th Army. And as we were pushed back, we uh, dug in to uh, set up our field artillery, uh, 
12 105 millimeter howitzers to aim at the German tanks coming out those narrow roads with a Ford observer out there telling us where that tank was coming from, and we would tell, we would tell the the uh, cannoneers uh, fire a smoke shell round. So 12 smoke shells were fired, and of course missed the target. And he, the Ford observer says, "Move to the right a little bit to forward," and a second round. And now we had the, the tank zeroed in. The third round was armor-piercing delayed fuse shells that went inside the tank and destroyed it. And it it is now agreed by Army historians that ultimately what what totally defeated the German Army was was American field artillery. And and, uh, I'll never never forget one night I was on on guard duty. And the minute I went down from guard duty into that basement uh, headquarters, field artillery uh, headquarters, a German artillery shell exploded there. It would have killed me. God got my attention. Now, I was already a born-again Christian. I had accepted the Lord as a godless evolutionist at Princeton University uh, a year and a half earlier in the spring of 43. But uh, God really got my attention in, in, in sort of like this. Uh, John, you belong to me. I have something for you to do. Uh, follow me. Obey me, honor me in your life. And so as I went as a German interpreter for our army into the villages and towns and cities heading east toward the Rhine River where we met the German, uh, Russian army, I would go into people's homes. German people were afraid of us. The, the Nazis had told them the Americans will kill you. I said, no, you just cooperate with us and we'll take care of you. You can stay in your home, in your kitchen during the day, but at night you have to move in your neighbors. We're taking over your home for our soldiers this night. So throughout that war, and for months afterwards, waiting to get back to America, God gave me opportunities to be a witness to certain people for, for him. And, and I was able to go to England even uh, in August and September of 1945 and uh, to uh, uh, enroll in University and participate in gospel campaigns in London. Uh, this is the victory was the name of one of those campaigns, and thousands of people came to hear the gospel. And uh, I wasn't one of the preachers, of course, but I was there to help in the evangelistic outreach to the British people. And uh, of course, finally, in God's mercy, I got back to America in January '46 to go back to Princeton University, where I had been when I was drafted. And I say, well, Lord. Thank you for that opportunity, what a rare one, to be a witness for you uh, during that war and when the war ended after that war and to survive even the Battle of the Bulge. And I say thank you, God, for that remembrance and that may be an encouragement to, uh, to others who are in very difficult circumstances uh, uh, in various parts of the world today, as we well know, who are, are uh, seeking to honor the Lord even in their military service for him. Dr. Whitcomb, <clears throat> did I hear you say you uh, were interpreting? I was the German interpreter for our, for our battalion. I had studied German at Princeton University uh, before I was drafted, so I was the only one that could speak any German at all, so they made me the interpreter for them. <laughs> wow, I did not know you spoke German. What were you majoring in at Princeton? I was majoring in... in uh, I was trying to... Study in the Institute uh, for uh, 
public and international affairs, to be a diplomat or ambassador for the U.S. government, my eyes weren't clear enough to qualify to go to West Point like my father wanted me to be. So we thought that Princeton University would be second best and I could study there. And, of course, when I came back to the war, I changed my major to ancient and European history to understand more about the background of the Bible and to participate in, in Christian ministry through the Princeton Evangelical Fellowship, through which I had come to know the Savior. And, uh, and uh, in, in May of 1945, uh, I'm sorry, 46, I'm sorry again, <laughs> in May of 47, we put on a film, The God of Creation, produced by Moody Institute of Science. We invited all the professors and students of the university to come to the auditorium to see that film. 200 arrived. Guess who walked in? Albert Einstein. Hmm. He was in the Institute of Advanced Studies near the campus. He was not an atheist. He was fascinated by how the world was designed. And he heard the gospel that night, and I gave him a gospel tract as he walked out. And I don't know if he ever came to know the Lord personally as his Savior, but I say thank you, God, for opportunities like that to reach out in places where gospel is not really honored. Our major universities, as we all know, have long departed from gospel, but we have witnesses for the Savior in almost all those campuses that are telling people about the gospel. Dr. Whitcomb, you certainly have lived a fascinating life. You said you were hoping to train to be an ambassador for the government. Of course, you ended up becoming an ambassador for the kingdom that will never end. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. I'm reading here about the Battle of the Bulge. Uh, it says here, for the Americans, 610,000 men were involved in the battle. Right. Of whom 89,000 were casualties, including 19,000 killed. It was the largest and bloodiest battle fought by the United States in World War II. Uh, 610,000 men, that's just on our side. I don't, I'm sure I can find out how many men were on their side in that battle. It uh, looks like uh, the Germans' initial attack included 200,000 men, so they were quite outnumbered. 340 tanks the Germans had and 280 other tracked vehicles. Between 67,200 and 100,000 of their men were killed, missing, or wounded. How many square miles, any idea, how many square miles did this, this uh, battlefield take up with that many men? I just don't know those particular details, but I have had the privilege of going back, I think 15 years ago it was, to see where that battle took place and to be, again, in the, in the Belgian town of Marche, where it was the farthest penetration westward of the German army, where we were there on, on guard and on duty, watching and, and waiting for, for opportunities to defend our, our army. When you, I mean, this took place during the winter, and the pictures of it just show lots of snow. I don't know what the temperatures were like. Um, I'm guessing rather cold. Oh, my. Uh, I'll never forget. I was, one day, I was walking down through a hill and saw a barn, and I was so cold, I was going to go in that barn and warm up a little bit. I opened the door. It was a temporary mortuary for dead soldiers. I decided not to stay there. We, I, I say, Lord, <laughs> what an amazing environment in which you accomplish some of the things that have never been forgotten to this day. What, when you normally stayed, or were you staying in, I mean, I know at one point you were moved into homes, you said, but yeah. I guess at, sometimes at night, were you intense? I'm guessing some nights you weren't even intense. You were just leaning, leaning, sitting up against a tree, I guess, huh? Right now, of course, what I'm t that was after that Battle of the Bulge ended. Then we moved across Germany, you see, during the months of January through uh, April, 
all the way across North Germany to the to the uh, Rhine River, uh, excuse me, uh, Elbe River, where we met the Russian army. So that took place after the Battle of the Bulge had ended during those following months. So you were involved in the Battle of the Bulge and in this encounter with the Russians? Yes. Any other battles that you were a part of that, that I don't know about? No, that those those were the, the only battles I was in. And, of course, in, in August of 1945, we were horrified to hear that two atomic bombs had fallen in Japan and totally annihilated tens of thousands of people instantly in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. And, and we, that, by the way, is why Einstein was in a state of depression. He was afraid that those kinds of bombs would wipe out the whole world. And we know they could, and they would, if God didn't have a plan for Israel and the church, which is yet to be accomplished in his purpose for this earth. So yes, a whole new kind of world was unveiled that summer of 1945. Because Einstein had something to do with the atomic bomb, yes. for those who don't know, right? Tell us about that. Right. He, he was part of one who designed that bomb, and he knew exactly what would happen. And of course, we're told, aren't we, in, by the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter 3, that the whole world is going to be destroyed by fire. God's Word is true from the beginning to the end, and that lesson was reinforced to Dr. Whitcomb during his military service and through the events surrounding the conclusion of the Second World War. And it's also the message that we proclaim boldly each week here on Encounter God's Truth. You can listen to any of our past broadcasts when you visit sermonaudio.com slash Whitcomb, and you'll find even more resources at whitcombministries.org. As you have time this holiday weekend, check out the latest news from our ministry at facebook.com slash Ministries. Well, now let's listen to one final portion of Brandon House's interview with Dr. John Whitcomb. This is history that our young people need to know about. Why do you think this history is so important for young people to know, Dr. Whitcomb? It's important for, uh, for our young people to realize that uh, God has planned a special program for human survival in Satan's world. This may sound strange to some people, but Romans 13 says we're to honor the government. We're to pay our taxes. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, of course, the answer is that God says that every person be in subjection to the governing authorities. Therefore, he who resists authority is opposed to the ordinance of God. Rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. For a minister of God, it is a minister of God for your, for good. And it does not bear the sword, now here's the army here, for nothing. It is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. And for this reason, we're to pay taxes. And I say, well, that's amazing, because our governments, even when Paul wrote this, as, as you know, the Roman government wasn't a godly system at all. Very evil, w- wicked emperors. But there's one thing the Bible makes clear in this world system God has designed. There's something worse than a bad government. It's no government. Total chaos. That is not God's plan for the human race. So we say, well, thank you, Lord, for for helping us to realize that you have a plan, a program, that we're to be subjected to and pay honor and respect to our government. You remember when John the Baptist uh, proclaimed the messenger of Jesus, that some of those soldiers came up and said, well, what should we do? He didn't say, get out of the army. (laughs) He said, be content with your wages and don't be 
unnecessarily cruel to people. So I say, well, that's an, that's an amazing provision, isn't it, that God has made for our protection. That is one of the reasons why, of course, we realize when, when the day comes we, that we, we can't have an army, we can't have uh, military support, we can't have a government, that that'll be a day of satanic, demonic chaos on this earth. Hmm. Well, we're going to ask Dr. Whitcomb a few theological questions today, but Dr. Whitcomb, thank you so much for taking today's broadcast to share what many have been asking about, your service in World War II and your particular um, experiences there uh, and helping us to actually capture this history from someone such as yourself as, a, as an archive in, in, in the format of, of radio and MP3. We thank you for that. Thank you. I think many people will um, want to share this program tonight. We post it online uh, at worldviewradio.com. But we just uh, want to be very careful not to just talk about what I did uh, or what we did, but what, what God is doing in this whole situation that we're facing more than ever today. May God be glorified and honored in what his plan and purpose for his church people, his servants might be even today. Thank you, Dr. Whitcomb. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. With those words from Psalm 46, and with gratitude to the Lord God, we conclude this unique look back at World War II. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and on behalf of all of us at Whitcomb Ministries, I pray that the Lord will bless you this holiday weekend. Thanks for listening to Encounter God's Truth.